All right, you ready to do this? Yeah. Okay, I got an intro. Okay, sweet. Spoiler alert! Here is this week's show show with Sweets and Slaney. Was I telling you that I memorized the uh, NATO alphabet? Did that ever come up on a, on the podcast? What is the? I don't think so. <laughs> what is the NATO alphabet? What does it's that like mean? Alpha Bravo. Oh, okay. Charlie Echo Delta. Sure, sure. I guess I just thought that was like the military. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. For some reason, they call it the NATO alphabet. I don't know. Like, I guess all the NATO countries would use it. Right. So some of them are just Greek letters, and then some of them are more fun, like like Bravo and Charlie, and like Juliet, and and places like India and Quebec. Right. Which you know what's interesting is if you're on the phone with some kind of administrator or a banker or something, and they're reading you an alphanumeric, and they just know it by heart, and they're saying the NATO alphabet well, characters. Well, I know that now too, so that's that's why I wanted to do it in case I'm ever on the phone with like a cop, and I can just <laughs> read off a license plate like. Yeah, that's a uh, Foxtrot, Charlie Delta, uh, Tango, Tango India. Junior. You reminded me when you said Foxtrot, that movie, the Tina Fey movie, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. Those are all letters in the NATO alphabet. Well, they are, and it's based on a book too right. that came first. But I didn't under, I didn't recognize that. I didn't uh, pick up on that. And I went to see it, and I was like, "This movie is okay. Why the hell was it called Whiskey Tango Foxtrot?" Yeah, this is WTF. Do you remember the Bloodhound Gang? Yeah. Uh, they had another song after their big hit song, the Mammal Song, which was uh, uh, Foxtrot Uniform Charlie Kilo. Oh, of course. <laughs> so that was like, they tried to keep that theme running. So and I think clever. it was actually like their next biggest hit. <laughs> but nothing could eclipse the Mammal Song. No. It, and is it, was that was what it was called? Uh, I, I don't know. That's what I would know it as. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. Man, that was a hit. They were dressed up as monkeys in the video. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's an evergreen song right there. <laughs> it is. How's your week? How are you doing? Uh, good. I have to get up super early tomorrow for a morning show thing. Oh, yeah. And it's, like, so easy. Like, what I have to do, I just want to make sure that I'm there, like, to, like, guide. It's not even a giveaway. Right. It's just setting up a, a live broadcast outside in that RV. We yeah, just, there's a trailer just, in the parking lot. Yeah, room. I basically just need to bring down like a generator and a uh, uh, barbecue and plug it into the generator and make sure the street teamer kind of knows what she's doing. And then that's it. I wish I could do cool stuff like that on my broadcast. Yeah. Like, well, remember, I mean, remember in Kentville, we did my show from a bar one day? Yeah. That was kind of I mean, it was it was St. Patty's Day, and so that's kind of a pain in the ass. But yep. Um, yeah, it's well, it's more a morning show kind of thing. It is, but I guess it's not out of the question. But I guess, yeah, you know, I, I don't think I've ever seen it that much with afternoon drive shows, but we should start looking into it more. We were talking about doing patio parties for a while on, like, both stations, like the idea of selling these patio parties where that actually would be. You mean, like, the lower deck or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, or whoever bought it. That would be cool. Yeah. So... Sad uh, local news. This is really only um, relevant locally, although it's fourth down on r slash movies right now. News today of the closure of the Oxford Theater. Yeah. Rocks Halifax. Yep. This is an 80-year-old movie house, not a multiplex, just a single screen movie theater Yeah. that was bought along with all the other local movie theaters a few years ago when Empire Theaters was bought out by Cineplex. Yeah. I guess Empire, the Empire Group, Sobeys, they're sort of local, so maybe they're a little more sympathetic, a little bit more uh, caring about yeah. about the Oxford Theater. 
Anyway, it's getting swept away for some condos or luxury yeah, that's, apartments. that's too bad. That's one that's like, you know, I didn't go there enough to like really start a protest about it. I go to the movies like probably every two weeks on average. I would say I go there every fifth movie. No way. That's probably my So you're, you've are you got a pretty average. close connection to I it. I love the Oxford Theater. Yeah. They don't have AC, so it's not great to go in the summer. Uh, but I saw okay. The Big Sick there most recently. Yeah. Becky and I went to see When Harry Met Sally on Valentine's Day there. Oh, that'd be cool. That was really nice. I saw Goon 2 there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that That's was the most recent time. Just I released in the States this week. Yeah. J.B. Rochelle's been... Oh, really? He's been doing the press. He did WTF on Monday. No way. Yeah. Oh, he's I want to cool listen guy. to that. Cool guy. Man, he was the best. Yeah. He was like the best person. I like... There's a celebrity that doesn't let you down. And I like... I rather than... I I fanboyed pretty hard. But, yeah, that's, that's fine. But I still tried to go in with a random question. I heard from an insider once. Mm-hmm. Somebody... I knew, I don't really know anymore, who right. knew him very well for mm-hmm. a time, uh, passed along that the uh, the character relationships among the main cast of This Is The End were actually based on reality, and that since he is really no longer friends with those people at all. Really? Um, because largely he never wanted to move down to Hollywood, and right. maybe he had some resentment that the rest of them got so much more famous, and he probably could have tagged along with that crew had he right. left Canada, but he's such a he's such a patriot, which I love about him. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so he was on uh, Larry King's YouTube show the other day. Larry King does, oh, no a, way. does an interview. It's kind of like a podcast, but sure. it's, like, it's very much like Larry King. Yeah. Um, and he asked... Jay Baruchel, what's your relationship like with Jonah Hill? And he has a very awkward response to it. Let's see if I can find the clip and see if we can get the mics to pick it up. Oh it, man! Because I hear this because so he takes pause and he like he gives like a he gives like one of those and then he he gives a sort of cordial answer, but it's not that cordial. Whoa. So let's see. Possible shots fired. I I found it here. Man, I've heard so many things about Jonah Hill too. But like, I don't know. Also, I've heard other like I've heard Jonah Hill on on the Ezra Koenig podcast, and he just seems like a guy who's like so excited to be there. And, it's the same when he's on Stern, and he yeah, did a great WTF right. a couple years ago. Like, if he's as grateful as he appears to be, mm-hmm. biggest sweetheart. Right. But there's some evidence pointing to the contrary. So this is uh, Jay Baruchel this week on Larry King. Uh, Referencing Jonah Hill. What's your relationship like with Jonah Hill? <laughs> um, yeah, um, there what? is one, I guess. I, I know the man. <laughs> Don't like him? <laughs> no, I wouldn't say that. At this point, it was, con- say? it was contentious once upon a time, but I think now we're sort of, uh, we're each the devil the other one knows. Oh, wow. Yeah. Inter- interesting, right? Yeah, that's not a very... So how does Larry King respond? Like, how, Where does that go from there? I think they just kind of move on because Larry does rapid-fire questions. And right. there's, there's no... There's no... Uh, there's there's no through line in Larry's questioning. He just asks a question, and then next he's probably like, why is hockey so important? <laughs> right. You know? That's, yeah, that's probably accurate. Yeah. Uh, man, yeah. I, I It kind of makes me sad that they don't hang out together because I loved that... Uh, that chemistry relationship they really sell it not not necessarily jonah because they don't sell that in the movie but like seth and and the rest of those guys yeah and you like to think that seth is still kind of he knows where where his bread is buttered or whatever the expression is like you still like to think that he's still got an element of of humility yeah but he's also the most famous of all of them right. he's the richest of all of them yeah. easily 
Yeah, and they like you know did undeclared together and yeah. Jay said something recently about how uh, like during the summer uh, on undeclared, he stayed in Seth's parents' house. Oh no way! So like they were definitely close. Yeah, cool. I'll have to catch up on this media stuff with uh, Jay Baruchel because anyway, the Oxford Theater is exciting. in fact closing, and that's very sad. Ugh. Record views for the recent Game of Thrones season finale. 16.5 million people. More people than ever to watch a Game of Thrones finale. Mm-hmm. That was kind of exciting. Were you satisfied? Without any spoilers? Um, Yeah. I felt like... I hope that they're kind of just teeing everything up for the final season and they do kind of a better job on the final season. Mm-hmm. This season didn't seem as polished. And I know a lot of, like, we were talking, like, yeah. you know, Ravens can't fly that fast and that's uh, not realistic. Continuity-wise and, so. and timing-wise, it was a little sloppy. Yeah, it just wasn't the same as the other seasons. So sure. it's it was a little bit more jarring for those reasons. But but it was also way more action-packed. Is that, just, I, that's not necessarily what people want based on that study we looked at last week that said right. dialogue is more interesting to people. That's right. And I think that's kind of the part that was missing. Although, like, you know, a ton of dialogue in every episode. There's rarely an episode where people aren't speaking. Right. But I think a really exciting action moment goes a long way. Like if you look at right. House of Cards, for example, mm-hmm. House of Cards had one shocking action moment. Right. Five years ago. And we're still waiting for it. For, yeah. People are still watching that show. It has been so boring ever since. Yeah, yeah, I agree. With Game of Thrones, where people like are really into those characters and they love it, if they give us one like really incredible war scene mm. or one red wedding a year or something, mm. um, I think that goes a long way. How bad would the acting, or how bad would House of Cards be if they didn't have phenomenal actors in it? it yeah. It's still bad, to I be mean, honest. Whereas on Game of Thrones, you don't necessarily need to have phenomenal actors. They're all very good actors. Sure. But you could get away with having a shitty actor here Well, one of the shows we're going to talk about in a few minutes is a great example of a tremendous actor just serving you filth. Right. Just serving you garbage. Yeah. So there you go. It's, it's, sometimes you can't polish a turd. That's true. Which isn't to say that House of Cards is a turd. I'm, it's just... <laughs> it's just it's just lukewarm urine. It's just, it's just not that special. That's a nice way of putting it. It's just sweets. it's just I don't want it here. Yeah. <laughs> Take it away. Yeah. It's waste. After 27 years working on the show, 560 episodes, 23 Emmy nominations and in fact two Emmy wins, The Simpsons has fired resident composer Alf Clausen. Really? Just that, like the creator of the theme song? No, that was Danny Elfman. But every, every other, like, like they score the show. Sure. Right? So, like, there's so every, original music scores the entire series. It must, so his contract must, it must have been so expensive to keep that guy on or something. I don't know. They, I, It's come out that he got a phone call out of the blue that says, we're going to take the music in another creative direction. Which Weird. almost implies that they think the problem with The Simpsons now is the score. Which is <laughs> ridiculous. Not that I have a problem with The Simpsons now, but right, as like it might be one of those shows that starts using an actual soundtrack throughout the whole thing. Like all of a Just sudden, plays like, the warrior while Bart is it, yeah, skateboarding through town. Sure. <laughs> like uh, like uh, Homer puts on a funny coat and Big Pimpin starts playing or something. Well, that would be funny. That's just the way it goes from now on. And I'm like you said, I'm sure this guy was expensive. I'm sure he doesn't need to work anymore. But it's always sad when somebody unceremoniously loses their job. Yeah. Especially if they like, weren't a, a lousy person. Yeah, especially which, if they liked it and they were kind of like, you know, passionate about 
doing it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, a good segue then is through Kermit the Frog, which we talked recently right. about how Steve Whitmire, the guy who's played Kermit the Frog since the early 90s when Jim Henson. Right, is apparently a jerk. He's apparently a jerk, so he got fired, and they they hired from within uh, right. Disney and the Muppets. They found a guy named Steve Vogel who has been doing like Cookie Monster or oh, cool. like a bunch of other Muppets. He can do a pretty good Kermit, and so they're like, "Job's yours if you want it." And so, <laughs> can you imagine? <laughs> do you want to play our flagship character? Yeah, yeah. Hey, Kermit's available. You want to do it? <laughs> so I've got uh, I've got the first audio clip ah. of Steve Vogel as Kermit the Frog. Okay, want to take a listen? Sure. Dreams are how we figure out where we want to go. Life is how we get there. I'm at it this way. It's it's not bad, right? It's, it's not bad. He it almost seems like he put a bit of his own spin on it. There's a little more nasality in there. Yeah. It's almost like a weird like Seinfeld inflection. Yeah, at he's kind of got largely like I think if if somebody were doing that as a party trick, you'd be like, that's an amazing Kermit. <laughs> right. You'd be amazed. But where it is Kermit, it's, yeah, so you can really sense what's wrong. Right. With it. But I, I like it. I like how he wasn't trying to sound exactly like the other guy. He's al- it's almost like a Trump impression, you know? You find the little <laughs> idiosyncrasies. You make try it to, yours. Yeah, make it yours a bit. Well, except for that with Kermit, like this is a, a rare instance of a fictional character who's treated like a like it, his own person. Right. Like he exists in our world, supposedly. Right. And if you interview Kermit, you don't interview Steve Whitmire or Vogel. You right. interview Kermit the Frog, who has his own personality. Mm-hmm. Um, he's as famous as <laughs> the cat. Is. This has never really happened before. The cat, <laughs> cat is, is so in my grill right now. Almost like grinding on <laughs> sweets right now. Get out of here. Face nuzzling. She bit my knee earlier. I'm sorry. Did she? That's okay. Uh, it so sucked, anyway, but so okay. you really, when, when Kermit the Frog suddenly has a different voice, you don't want the new actor to have his own spin on it. You just want it to be Kermit the Frog. You want yeah. it to be seamless. I think so, although I didn't mind that that much. Like, no, I'm sure it's you know fine. What? Knowing that it's someone different, you're almost okay with it. Yeah. But if you went in went in kind of blind, you might wonder what, what was up there. Maybe that's true. Or maybe like when there's a new movie or a show or something and there's like a long monologue from Kermit the Frog, you'd be like, oh, he nailed that. Right. I imagine all those years ago, 25 years ago or whatever, everybody was like, whoa, that's not Jim Henson. Yeah. You know? Yep. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> Becky, that's help good. me out here. <laughs> yeah. Wanna go outside? Mia? Is this how cats work? No, that's how dogs work. Uh, Mia, there's a a rat Are you able to get Mia out of here? She will not get away from me. (laughs) She's not gonna stay. There you go. Anyway, cat break. We should should insert like a little... That's not gonna work either, Becky. Shutting the door? Yeah, don't, no, don't shut the door. Why not? Because she's just going to scratch it, and that's going to create uh, more noise. Thank you. It'll be fine. I'm not going to turn on my phone again. She seems to get really in my grill when I have my phone on. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I don't know why. Sonic waves. So the the Hollywood trend of reviving older classic stuff with an all-female cast instead continues. Uh, with what? I mean, Ghostbusters was the like prime example, and that obviously was a catastrophe. Mm-hmm. Um, such that we weren't even able to watch it objectively. There was so much stank on it. And we yeah. talked a couple of weeks ago about how uh, uh, St. Vincent is directing the picture of Dorian Gray with all women, which seems bizarre. And so I don't know if I knew that was all women. Yeah, that is. I knew is. that she was directing it. It is. So the new one, the one that seems most controversial now, is an all-girls cast for the new Lord of the Flies movie. Okay. 
William Golding's shipwreck story. No, yeah, I know what it is. It the 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 biggest criticism being you are fundamentally changing what Lord of the Flies is about if it's with girls because it's about a bunch uh, of little boys. Well, it's about male dominance, right? It's about sure. how males have this innate need to establish a hierarchy of dominance mm-hmm. and in doing so will tear each other apart. Well, is it about women male dominance do or is it just about humanity? Uh, humanity. I don't know. I've never read it. Oh, you haven't? But the argument is that it's it's it really inherently changes the 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 dichotomy of these characters. Sure. If we're dealing yeah, with it, cows. Yeah, I guess I guess an aspect of it kind of is to make you think about, you know, is this what boys will be boys would be if no parents were around? Ever. Right. You know. Is it a no parents story or is it a we without the conventions of society surrounding us, we're just savages. And that. Yeah. Well well the conventions of society is are kind of the parents. Sure, I guess. Just think about it that way. I mean yeah. yeah, I mean, but sure, yeah, there's no society around either, but the boys don't even understand society because they're like six and eight. Are they that young? Yeah. That's bizarre. Like really, really, really young. I've never read it. Yeah, it's. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you'd like it that much, but it, overall, it's a good story. It's one of those high school books that I think a lot of people read in high school, and it's not one that you just read for pleasure. No. The flip side of that, of course, is that sometimes books are loathed because they're taught in high school, when really, if you read them on your of your own volition, you'd love them. It's almost a book that you read to kind of make you think a little bit. Sure. To write a report on it. Read the Spark Notes. You remember a couple of months ago when Alamo Drafthouse got all this backlash because they had a women's only screening of Wonder Woman? Yeah. They're now uh, satirizing their own promotion by having a clowns only screening of it. That's funny. That is funny. I like that. Yeah, me too. Nothing more to be said about it, though. (laughs) Speaking of evil clowns, we talked last week about the Martin Scorsese produced Todd Phillips directed Joker origin story movie. Yeah. No more to be said about that since, but there has since been a second Joker movie announced, one oh, under the DC Cinematic Universe. No. A spin-off from Suicide Squad with Jared Leto. starring Jared Leto and Margot Robbie. It's a Joker Harley Quinn spin-off movie created by the people who made Crazy Stupid Love and This Is Us. Wow. Yeah. Weird. Like really sensitive what a what family a, stories. What a kind of smart direction to take. I don't it think is. that you follow the exact same template. You go completely different. You like you're really going left when everyone's expecting you to go right. I think well, and everyone was really pissed off about it when it was announced. How could this possibly work? But my perspective is, what do we have to lose? Suicide Squad yeah. was terrible. Yeah, let's just start from scratch. These actors are both good. I don't like how they're dressed in <laughs> in that movie, or yeah. I don't like how he's dressed in that movie. Right, but. Sure, let's start over. Right. I don't think the casting is necessarily the problem. No. And we have these these uh, writers and showrunners who have made me weep. Yeah. All right, I'm, I'm on board. He's kind of just dressed like, you know, you know Post Malone? No. <laughs> okay, like, Google him after the show. He's got, like, a grill, and he's kind of like a current-day white R&B dude who right. also, like, Flossin, like <laughs> kind of like that. There was a, a meme that went around when it was announced what he would look like, like when the first images came out of Jared Leto as the Joker, and that was quite maligned. And they showed uh, Jack Nicholson's Joker, who's right. like the gangster, and right. Heath Ledger's Joker, who's the anarchist. He's like very political. Right. And then Jared Leto's Joker is just Hot Topic Joker. 
Right. He kind of is. Like, he's got a face tattoo. And yeah. He's very, yeah. like... I mean, the Joker is uh, vain. That's part of the character. But it's just... It's the wrong take on the iconic villain. Yeah. I agree. Other than Darth Vader. Like, can you think of a more iconic villain? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Judas. Judas. <laughs> right. <laughs> Jesus Christ, superstar. Oh, specifically in that one. Uh, uh, yeah, sorry. That was the big, <laughs> Not the big the motion picture that yeah. I take away. I would argue that Judas was the hero in in Jesus Christ, superstar. Not in the Bible. Okay. I think he's like he's the lead character in Jesus Christ, superstar, I think. Oh and yeah, not a hero, definitely no, well, a villain. Well, no, not a villain. Like, like maybe a, an anti-hero, Sweet. maybe an anti-hero. But like, he's a, like a complex character who's like really troubled by this. Like, the whole premise of Jesus Christ Superstar is that he's looking at this guy. He can't believe this guy is going around telling people he's the Messiah. Like, he's yeah. saying like, this guy is sick. We can't follow this person. Right. Like, that's kind of fair. And then he rats out on. He does because he thinks that's the right thing to do. And then he kills himself. He does die. Yeah. He, you're right. I think you need the most powerful talent yeah. to play Judas in every Jesus Christ superstar. He didn't know how to love him, what to do, how to move him. My mind is clear. clear yeah, I guess. Clearer he, now. Okay. Yeah. I love that. I love that show. Yeah, I like that song. Oh, I love every friggin' song in that show. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know if you have it on here. I'm just going to ask you early. Did you see the VMAs? No, I didn't even think to put that on there. No? No. It was interesting from what I saw. I mean, I've seen some things. Pink, her speech for her Vanguard acceptance was awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. Yeah. Um, and, like, you know, kind of what you would expect Pink to say, too, which fit into a really good story. And I always cool. wonder, stuff like that, like, at those points, is is an agent, like, like, is there any just, did someone write that for her and that whole situation not happen? Or did that know. exact situation happen? I mean, there yeah. are certain people I might wonder the same. Like with Taylor Swift, I mean, for all I've said how big of a fan I am, there's not a, a single element of her career that's not like very keenly strategized, right. right? Everything is artificial. Oh, and this whole video, like they premiered the video yeah, and know. it was like pretty just what? It, what? Was, it was bizarre. I like the video more than I like the song overall. But yeah. again, it's all strategy. It's all right. it's all serving the narrative that how they choose to illustrate her now publicly. Mm-hmm. Pink, on the other hand, her whole mo for twenty years has been, "I'm not going to be that. I'm not going to. I'm not going to adhere to your direction of me." Yeah. I mean, that first song, "L.A. Told Me You Can Be a Rock Star. All You Have to Change Is Everything You Are." Yeah. Like, I don't think she's she subscribes to that the same way ed sheeran doesn't subscribe to that i also find it kind of funny that she's like half naked in the video and it's to illustrate the point that like yeah she's on a plastic surgery table but it's also kind of like you're half naked on the table right now and you're a really what i find kind of kind of backwards about all of it is that so much of it is in response to the charge that taylor plays the victim too much Mm -hmm. but Going out on a stage and making a video and a song that says, I'm this way because you made me this way, is just a different way of playing the victim. Yeah. It's just a new, angrier version of playing the victim. Right. So I don't really buy it. I know. Uh, Katy Perry was the worst host. I, I mean, heard. like, you, you, I, I haven't read any articles about it, but from what I saw, it was just like, man, this. I, I don't know who her writers... You know, usually, you know, Lonely Island, if, if Andy Samberg 
is hosting the VMAs. You have the Lonely Island. You have a bunch of their comedy writer friends. That's right. What happens when Katy Perry's hosting it? Who's in charge of getting the writers for it? They've made it work for like the the, the country music awards when they have Carrie Underwood and Brad Paisley do it. They just yeah. like have a natural like vaudevillian rapport. Sure. But and- she's just up there. Again, Katy Perry's so so artificially put together so we don't really know what she's like. Right. And and she tries to be like the anti-Taylor Swift, I guess, so she's able to say the F word and like right. she's able to be kind of cooler. But she seemed like but, a bit more of like a comedy, like, whoa, this is crazy. Oh, ah. like she flew, she was, her whole opening skit was that she was in space for the last couple of years and then the whole thing when she like, came back down was like whoa so i i'm sure nothing crazy has happened and then she like opened up a paper and it said the world is on fire and she was like oh my god the world's on fire that's not an original what premise. happened who's the president i know i was so shocked that this is this was her a material this i mean like cutting edge i know she didn't write it but like but that's worse yeah they could have hired really good people. I know, and made some like funny stuff. Nothing was, you know, they had a whole segment on like the fire festival. Oh like, lord! She's like, oh, so I'm just checking some voicemails here. Oh my god, here's one for my friend. And it's like, hey, I'm about to go to this cool festival. It's called the Fire Festival. Anyway, see you later, batch. And then there's like another message, and it just slowly explains how crazy and bad the festival was, but. That happened in, like, February. I guess they're just trying to serve what they think teenagers want to teenagers because it's a show made for teenagers, right? Like, you can tell by the the press photos are just littered with YouTube celebrities that you and I can't identify. Yeah. It's a show made for teenagers. And so, I mean, as is everything MTV. But... But I remember there were some special VMA years, and there's some special years, like, even as an adult, you're like, oh, that's cool that that happened. But this year, you know, it was like... The closest thing I could remember is when P. Diddy hosted the VMAs when I was like, I don't know, I was probably like 18 or 17. Right. And he's like, the whole theme for the night is anything can happen. <laughs> so, and you're like, this isn't funny. It's not cool. It's just like a weird thing. Thing that they paid a bunch of money to P. Diddy, who's... Right, but some of the most iconic VMA moments were not scripted, like the Kanye West incident with Taylor Swift. That's true. And and, 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 and in those in those instances, I'm totally okay with it. But, like, I feel like so much revolves around the host. Yeah, that's fair. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that's probably true. And, and I was hoping that some cool unscripted stuff would happen. I was hoping even maybe, like, Katy Perry would, would like... Go at Taylor Swift. I don't know if it happened because I turned it off to watch Game of Thrones, which half the world. I don't think Taylor did. Swift was there. They just showed the video. Yeah, uh, but I mean, it was important that they show it there because of that iconic Kanye Swift, Kanye uh, Taylor Swift moment, right? Where that was like the origin of Taylor playing the victim. Like yeah. she had been writing heartbreak songs or whatever for a little bit. What for? I don't know what's the matter with me tonight. I can't seem to. <laughs> I'm trying to talk too quickly. I think that's all good. Um, drink more beer. I'll just drink more beer. Uh, that was the origin of Taylor being a victim. And so now she's come back to the VMA. She's had some major moments happen on this award show. Right. She didn't have to be there. No. But they said, oh, this is the place, the time and the place to release oh, this dear. song. And I had another uh, thought about that song, Look What You Made Me Do. It has occurred to you, I'm sure, that it sounds like I'm Too Sexy For My Shirt. No. It sounds, I only heard it once. It sounds exactly like I'm Too Sexy For My Shirt. Really? Oh, look what you made me do. Oh, uh, yeah. It sounds exactly like it. Um and I have a feeling, because I, I can't envision a situation where they thought, let's take this old song and sample it. Mm-hmm. That song? 
Right. I uh, thought of Right Said Fred. Yeah. It occurs to me that they might have written the song and before releasing it realized this sounds a lot like Right Said Fred. I'm too sexy for my shirt. We better call him and offer him a writing credit, which he would, of course, say yes to because right. he's going to make so much money. Yeah. Um, the same way uh, Tom York did that with with Creep, which sounded exactly like the Hollies, the air that I breathe. They were like, sure. oh, my God, I didn't do this on purpose, but right. I need to give them a writing credit. And Bruno Mars did it with, uh, uh, what was his name? But he had a whole song that was, don't believe me, just watch. Go down my chain. Go down on my watch. That was Uptown Funk, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But the don't believe me, just watch really? was such an important part of the song. And it was clearly taken from that song, which was released like three months earlier. And was it Marvin had... Gaye? Because the Marvin Gaye estate are like friggin' vultures trying to... like If, if Marvin no. Gaye said the word the... And you say the word the, they're ready to pounce on you. Right. No, it was like it was like a kind of underground rapper who had like just got out of jail and <laughs> had a, a pretty significant hit, but like hasn't had anything since. And he's probably a, a millionaire now just because of that writing credit. Isn't that wild? You just get that phone call? Yeah. That's crazy. It's like, sweet. Bruno Mars is the man. Joss Whedon was hired to do script doctoring for the new Justice League movie because they can't get their shit together on their own. Whoa. They can't. They can't do it on their own. There's nothing in Joss Whedon's contract that says he can't jump from. He's not Marvel owned to by DC. Marvel. He made two Marvel movies like six years ago. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, they probably won't want him back now. But they're they just can't get their shit together in right. any capacity, and they're making this Justice League movie. So a while back, they hired just uh, Joss Whedon to punch up the script. And this week it was announced he's getting a writing credit, which basically means he came in and he was like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Yeah. And had to gut the thing. Right. Because he's getting a writing credit now. Right. So that's kind of cool. Probably uh, will help how, it. How much do you have to write to get a writing credit? Probably not that much. Right. But he was able to say, okay, I know you hired me as a script doctor, but I've done enough. We're, we're changing those terms. Right. Right? Because yeah. there are lots of movies that are written by like eight people. Right. So he, he started like like carving out storylines. He's like, this should happen to get... We'll develop this more. Here. We'll yeah. ditch this. You right. don't need this. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. When does Ragnarok come out? Or did that already come out? Thor, Rag- what? Thor Ragnarok? Oh. Uh, I've never heard it pronounced out loud. <laughs> um, I don't know. Probably soon. I love the Thor movies. That that movie looks especially badass. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm 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 pretty out on a lot of Marvel movies now. I mean, I'd watch them. I'd sit down and probably enjoy any Marvel movie. But yeah. but I'm just like for that one, it, it looks like it has a specific kind of like '80s action feel. Definitely that I want to. Well, and I like that. Marvel is still able to explore subgenres of the superhero theme. Like they were able mm-hmm. to make Spider-Man a John Hughes movie, and they're able to make um, I don't know something else, something else, a detective movie or something. That's sure. kind of fun. They need to do that so they don't all start to bleed together and look like the same thing. Because story-wise, many of them are the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, Evidence that I don't care anymore and I kind of have fatigue is the fact that I never saw Guardians of the Galaxy two. Right. Which and that's supposed to be a, a different kind of speed than most of them. Really? I just don't want to. There's supposed to be... I, but I bet... Do you think if you watched it, you would enjoy it? Probably. Yeah. But I just have no urgency. Yeah. Nothing's pushing me to. Interesting. I uh, I think there's probably some good rips of it now. I want to check it out. The upcoming 19th season of Law & Order Special Victims Unit is going to tackle the Charlottesville attacks. Oh, my God. So you know how Law & Order kind of appropriates yeah. real news and turns it into drama? Totally. 
That's what they're going to do an episode about. So, oh, just an episode. I mean, I guess. So so it's going to be still in New York, but it's just going to be hitting on the, the you know, features yeah. of yeah. Oh, we have a we have a, a a pro whites rally or something right. to deal with. Yeah, <laughs> Ice Cube will say something. You're telling me <laughs> that these so John guys Mulaney are bit. out here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you got it, Ice. <laughs> uh, okay, so they released the first image from the upcoming Queen biopic, Freddie Mercury biopic. The movie's called Bohemian Rhapsody, which I think is the weakest shit I've ever heard. Yeah, that's so weak. Bohemian Rhapsody is supposed to not mean anything, right? And you have this whole catalog of other songs that you could like at least bend your perception of the titles and understand why they would name the movie after that. You like you make a Freddie Mercury movie called Somebody to Love. I get it. Right. You know that makes sense. We yeah. will rock you. Even is better than right. Bohemian Rhapsody, which actively is nonsense. Right. Anyway, that's not the news. So, yeah. Okay. Sorry. Go. Go to the news. I just went through this. Went through this Reddit thread of this of this image. It's, it's just like a Live Eight image, like mm-hmm. from when they played. And everybody is still so sour about the fact that it's not Sasha Baron Cohen playing yeah. Freddie Mercury. And I think that's ridiculous. Mm. First of all, he's forty five years old. Yeah, he's like older than Freddie ever was. Right. And it's past. Let's move on. Rami Malek is an excellent actor. He's going to do a good job. Oh, Rami Malek's doing it. Yeah. yeah. I, I was trying to, I was going to ask, and he's actually, he looks a lot like him and he's yeah. kind of a, like similar, like he was, uh, I think there was some, he was, he grew up like in India mm. and in England and Rami Malek is, you know, of that yeah. <laughs> ethnicity, I think yeah. too. So. I think it all will work out. Well, the other issue that everybody had was that Sasha Baron Cohen looks exactly like Freddie Mercury. First of all, not really. No. He just has a mustache. Right. If he has a mustache, I guess he looks like Freddie Mercury. Yep. But I just hate this idea that resemblance is the most important thing in portraying somebody. Right. Like Joaquin Phoenix says John, uh, Johnny Cash looks nothing like Johnny Cash. No. Amazing performance. Another great example is the two different Steve Jobs movies. Right. Michael Fassbender looks nothing like Steve Jobs Not and crushed it compared to Ashton friggin' Kutcher. Yeah. Resemblance is very minor if the actor is not a strong actor. And we have no proof that Sasha Baron Cohen is a strong enough actor to do that role seriously. Right. Great comedic mind. Totally. And where is Sasha Baron Cohen lately? What is, what is he up to? Do we know? No, but that should be our homework for next week. Is he just gonna do but like the, another homework, <laughs> another dumb uh, like faux documentary where he plays somebody who's obscene? Because I'm over it. I think everyone is. Yeah, that's kind of that was kind of his thing. Uh, yeah, I agree. I don't think it's. But he also did uh, uh, Sweeney Todd briefly. He's in Sweeney. He's briefly in Les Mis. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think he's probably a brilliant guy and everything, but I just I don't I don't think he's. The bee's knees. Not feeling them. No, I'm not feeling them. All right. So I think that people are being unreasonably sour. It's okay. over. Let's move on. Let's okay. not approach this with the attitude that it can't possibly be good. We've got a real bad habit lately of going into mm-hmm. things determined to dislike them, mm-hmm. and that will help you dislike it. Well, and Rami Malek like has a he has an Emmy at least, doesn't he? Yeah. He won Best Actor. Great actor. Give it, you know, give him a shot. Youthful. Yeah. He's gonna take I'm it surprised seriously. even on like Reddit and stuff, all the Mr. Robot fans aren't in his corner defending him playing 
People are, people are very weird about like who looks like who. He doesn't have a mustache. How can he play Freddy? I think we'll figure it out. I think he'll probably have a mustache for yeah, the movie. Yeah, I think we'll probably get around that somehow. Yeah. They, you remember Pokemon Go? Yeah, what happened? You know what I was thinking about Pokemon Go? That was just last year. That was 12 mm-hmm. months ago. It feels five years ago. Yeah, I've never seen a bigger boom and bust in three months. And I, yeah. I've never been more happy about it. Yeah. Like for those... Two like six weeks where that was all anyone was talking about. Huge. It kind of drove me crazy. Yeah. And it's weird because you're just like, it shouldn't have any effect on your life. But it was one of those things where I'm like, my God, people, get over it. What the thing? What like, is happening? I was always disappointed with Pokemon Go. I was one of the few people who like was following Pokemon Go. I yeah. was excited for like two years for Pokemon Go, right. and then it dropped. And like basic bitches everywhere were playing Pokemon Go, and I was like, I don't, I, I hate this. This right. isn't that exciting for me. No. And you're right, it dropped off so fast. I think they did an update where mm-hmm. like you lost all your Pokemon or something, oh. and everyone was like, All right, How I'm not starting over. It? Yeah. And so it killed them. And there's still like a small community of Pokemon Go users. Yeah. But it'll never be what it once was. It like it really shifted around the Niantic and Nintendo stock, like. I heard there was something that was supposed... Yeah, Nintendo stock like shot up. I heard that there was supposed to be some sort of update where it was almost like a continuation to Pokemon Go. Is that what you were leading into? No, I was going to say there's a new Walking Dead smartphone app coming. <sighs> That's Which cool. is comparable to Pokemon Go. It's an augmented reality smartphone game where I guess you could walk on the Halifax boardwalk and hunt zombies. Sure. So That's, I mean, I find that a little bit more exciting than just, you know, a little kind of toy yeah <laughs> little animated toys standing there it's a lot of work to put in on a thing that people are only going to care about for a month you're right unless you make all your money back i'm sure they will my last piece of interesting trivia for the week have you heard about an animated series called barry and joe no okay so this is a kickstarter project this guy's like i got a great idea for a new animated show about two best buds named barry and joe who travel through time and like fight bad guys and they're like time traveling heroes. Okay. And I guess in like the eighties or something and they'll wear like big aviator sunglasses an animated crime fighter show called Barry and Joe, which is to say uh, young Barack Obama and Joe Biden. <laughs> There's a Kickstarter campaign seeking a hundred thousand dollars. It expired today and they have 110 grand. They're going to make the show. That's amazing. I know. What, what do they have a network or anything they're, or they're just going to make it and they're, then well they're going to make it, it they wanted 100 grand so they could really do it well wow. and maybe they'll just put it out online yeah where's the company out of that's doing it do you know it's just a guy it's who just can a do guy. it it's just he's like, he like made a little short he's like look I've got these stills like I've got these what do the stills look most comparable to is it more Rick and Morty or more like Dragon Ball Z uh, it's not either it's not like Rick and Morty like it's not yeah. it's not sloppier minimalist like the art is like it's almost like rupert like it's very (laughs) okay or like a graphic novel it's it's almost like a like Like archer sort of like archer it's a little bit more detailed than archer okay yeah cool that's interesting i can't wait to see it like yeah i think that'd be fun it'd be interesting to see if it's really rah-rah america or if it actually has an edge but it's kind of tough because they're like the they are those characters they're not like parodies of those characters right so. Yeah, it's it's almost easier to to just do straight up parodies because you can go so many ways. It's like the the development of the Parks and Rec cast. Yes, 
you know how they were supposed to be one thing when they started and then it just totally morphed into something else unless you try to emulate the comedic sensibility of the 60s batman where the two characters namely batman was brilliant and he was portrayed as brilliant and and brave and heroic and right. good but everyone around them is idiots and they talk in these like really like long-winded platitudes and it just has a sense of irony to it without right. compromising the integrity of those good men well, and do you think that it will kind of become like the uh, Barack Obama, Joe Biden memes? Maybe. Where Joe Biden's like, geez, you know, I, I think we should just hit him with this football. Is it Joe? No, you <laughs> can't overreact like that. And Maybe. Like, Joe's the really headstrong sidekick and yeah. and Barack Obama's kind of the, the logical thinker slash like action taker. I hope so. Yeah. I'm really open to it. Anyway, it's called Barry and Joe. Barry and Joe. Barry and his wife, Shelly. I'm really open to it. Awesome. So you want to get into programs? Yeah, let's do it. TV programs. It is my turn to pick. Programs. Neither one is really great for recapping because because not a lot happens in either one. But I guess I'm going to start with Disjointed. Okay. Which, uh, in spite of myself, was the choice of the week. No, it was actually completely my choice, which I regret. That's right. right. That has, is I'm going to go on go. All right. So we've got the clock up on three, two, one, go. Kathy Bates. Kathy oh. Bates plays Ruth, who's this kind of like hippie lady who really believes that uh, recreational marijuana use should be a, a rebellious movement against the man. People should be able to enjoy their personal lives. She runs uh, a dispensary with her son, who's very business-minded. He just graduated from like Princeton or something, and he wants to help her franchise the business, but she's not interested in doing that. She's also surrounded by a bunch of other lovable nerds, basically all just like stoners who make traditional Pop-Tarts or delicious jokes. Ultimately, she reads his proposal, and she agrees to go into business. Yeah. I think okay. you nailed that. That wasn't so bad. No, that was really good. Yeah. Um, surprisingly good. The show wasn't, though. Dude, no, the like, show was exactly what you I I said as soon as I saw the first as soon as I heard the laugh track, yeah, and saw the first 20 seconds of the show, yeah. I said to myself, "Oh my god, this is like Big Bang Theory with a bunch of people talking about how high they are the entire time." And then the credits rolled and Chuck Lorre showed up as a credit in the bot and I just slammed my head into the table i never would have suggested it even though it is the new show on netflix this week and that's mm -hmm. the premise of this podcast and we don't only watch shows we like i never would have suggested it if i had known it was chuck Lorre, because there's just nothing to say about chuck Lorre. no like i just I feel kind of sad for him like i have this idea of him that he's actually kind of a brilliant artist right and he's he's backed himself into a corner where people only want schlocky shit from him well so he probably has he probably has like the next American Buffalo in his right side table that he's written and is so proud of, but nobody wants to come stage it. Right. And you gather as much from the end credits at the, at the show, the little note that appears for like the 10 little seconds. flashcards that yeah. used to come up at the end of, did they come up at the end of Big Bang? All of his shows, I think. Okay. Those were kind of interesting to read. They were super interesting to read. And they kind of show you a bit of the tortured artist side of him. Vanity cards, he called them. Vanity cards. And you could cards. buy like a coffee table book of all of Chuck Lorre's vanity yeah. cards. Yeah. And you're right. They were almost like little diary entries. And they'd be flashed on screen in white for a second. Yeah. And you'd have to pause it on time. Yep. And you could read what he's emotionally struggling with this week. Yeah. And it's it was kind of a combination of something like... Aaron Sorkin or David Sedaris. That's the way that I always kind of thought of it. And that's the way I kind of think of him. You know, we were talking about this a little bit earlier, how he might be Aaron Sorkin 
if he tried and Aaron Sorkin could probably do what he was doing and make a billion dollars or he could stay true to what he wanted to make yeah. and get an Oscar. And I don't want to completely reduce the American broad sitcom. Like, like oh. what, what broadcasting is, you're trying to reach as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. There is something to be said for boiling it down to the lowest common denominator and the easy jokes. Yeah. And if you, if you box the laughter, people at home will think it's funny, whether right. it is or not. Yeah. But we've all seen the clips of The Big Bang Theory if you edit out the laughter. It's painful. Right. Not because those writers aren't good or because the actors aren't good, because the product is so distilled mm-hmm. down to a science so to speak, in the case of the Big Bang Theory, that there's no soul in it anymore. Right. Yeah, it's 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 weird because it's not like you can't... Uh, it's not like you can't laugh at it. There are some things that are funny. Yeah. You know, you, you kind of will be like, huh. It's the same thing with The Ranch. I had a couple laughs. I will never watch it again. No. I don't think it's amazing. It's not like I'm having like Is huge... that Chuck Lorre, The Ranch? No. I don't think so. But it feels the same, doesn't it? Well, Ashton Kutcher worked for Chuck Lorre on Two and a Half Men. Right. I don't know if that's why, because he's had plenty of sitcom experience. Mm-hmm. But uh, the other Chuck Lorre show is Mom with Allison Janney, speaking of Aaron Sorkin. Oh, She's really? She's covered both, yeah. Allison yeah. Janney and Anna Ferris. Right. It just made me... It's so pandery. Like, that joke... Like, if they had just had Kathy Bates have a black son and not acknowledged it right away that he was black and she's white. Right. I would have loved that. I would have been like, that's great. Cause I get it. That's great. We I get that it. white women can have black sons. Right. I, and I know and how I don't it, have to bring it up. I know how it works. Yeah. I know what happened. If the white single mom has a black son, I, I get it. Right. But immediately somebody is like, why is your, oh, it's, they upload their commercial on YouTube and the comment section, somebody says, why, why do you have a black son? Right. And that's not a parody of the cruelty of comment sections. That is like spoon feeding the obvious. Right. It's unnecessary. It's pandery. Yeah. Made me sad. Yeah. Make, make the viewer do some work. Yeah. Don't assume your viewer is stupid. Yeah. Also, did you kind of feel like all of the characters were pretty much the exact same except for the son and the other yeah. girl who's kind of the love interest who he's obviously going to end up with at some point? Right. But also there was no like depth beyond the son and her. Like there were the other two were just like, we're so stoned all the time that like we don't know what's going Which, on. Which, by the way, I don't think was very good for... Uh, the weed nor- culture yeah the, no. nor- the normalization of marijuana culture which Definitely is something that's not. like that should probably not be treated with like so much hostility and judgment especially where you're trying to to show how uh dispensaries are important in the show yeah. it, it's just making a huge spoof of it i don't know if chuck Lorre actually like doesn't believe in it and that's why he feels so why would he do this show if to, that's the case yeah I, yeah, maybe he feels like it's actually just totally fine to spoof. But yeah. I feel like you almost have to be, like, watching it, I was like, oh, Chuck Lorre must, you know, maybe he gets stoned regularly. I mean, it would be fine. He probably does. It would be fine <laughs> if they wanted to do a show about uh, a weed dispensary and there were stoners in it. That stands to reason. There's going to be some people who love uh, corn pops or whatever. That's, that's yeah. necessary. But it requires that Kathy Bates is the brilliant anchor who's well-spoken and responsible 
with she's not responsible. That's what's frustrating about Kathy. Yeah, you're Bates, right. Is that she's she, lazy. Her life's and she, kind of a mess. she completely shirks her 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 love for her son. She doesn't pay any attention to the things right. he's passionate about. Yeah. And that's really bad for the depiction of marijuana in media. Yeah. Which again, like, I don't have a relationship with marijuana. I don't use it. But I think that it is harmless. Right. For the most part, when not abused. Sure, yeah. Yeah, I know. It's funny because I thought the same thing too. Like, and you articulated it a lot better than I could, but the fact that she was a shit show. Yeah, she's irresponsible. Just me. Yeah, it didn't reflect nicely. Like, it, it's not a good depiction of what marijuana could be. The sun might be the best depiction of that. The fact that he got an MBA. Well, he's I not think a was, stoner. He's he doesn't he doesn't appear to use marijuana. Does he at not all. touch it at all? I don't know. Was he smoking on the deck or was he just smoking a cigarette? Was he smoking at all? I think he was smoking. Yeah, I think when he was up on the roof with that girl. Maybe. And they were kind of realizing that they're actually in love with each other. Maybe. Uh, I think he was getting high then. The other character that royally pissed me off was the customer. The woman who's like who's like a exhausted mom who needs a new way to unwind. And she's like really pent up and exhausted. And she's going to come in and buy some medical marijuana. Yeah. And by the end of the episode, she... Uh, Is giving the steering wheel a handjob? Yeah, well, first, she's, <laughs> she's behind the wheel of a vehicle under the influence, which is well, not That's great. what I was wondering, too. And she's, she's yeah, she also, she is immediately turned into Kathy Bates, and she doesn't care about things anymore. Right. And again, that's not good for the image. Yeah. So I really took issue with that. What did you think of the fake commercials that they littered throughout? Like, again, I, I said earlier, I almost appreciate some of the chances that they took. That was a little more artistic. Like, I thought it was a bit gutsy, but it was so, like, you know, that's that's what I would expect, like, a, a junior high school to make. Yeah. You know, it was a, a, a commercial about, um, it was basically like a parody of a Coors Banquet commercial, but yeah. it was all about uh, weed. Like, you know what weed. was an aside that wasn't junior high-esque at all was the very unusual animated dream sequence about the security guard having PTSD going to Iraq. Yeah. Yeah. I I walked upstairs for a second and I came back downstairs and I knew that he was talking about being in Iraq and then came back downstairs and saw this crazy sequence and I was like, "Man, they're going all over it's the place." It's like a kind of one. a beautifully animated sequence set to a slam poem. Yeah. Both of which were very impressive and had no place in the show. <laughs> no. And that's almost what makes it you... serious too. Yeah. And then it just kind of like zooms out on him and does he say something or does the other person He break says the some some something ice-breaking joke that like, ruins yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Rather than it just if it just changed scenes <laughs> at that point, I would be like, "Whoa." <laughs> Okay. They just shifted gears and they made now. it about PTSD. Yeah, like, <laughs> okay, well, we got the security guard with PTSD. That would be the Louis C.K. twist. You're right. You know, where he's like, it's cheers, but in a sad place. Yeah, exactly. It's too bad. Why do you think someone like Kathy Bates takes this part? Like, Kathy Bates is probably not, like, she's probably not never work again rich. Like, she's had a couple of great acting moments. Sure. But she's never been Sandra Bullock. Right? No. She's, she's, of course, a wonderful actress, but like, actor, but like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if she needs this part or if she just thought it would be a good payday, well, which again, I don't, I don't completely begrudge. And maybe she's not getting offered many things that, like, at some point, you know, if you like acting, it's like, you know, we were talking a little bit about if you had the opportunity to, like, voice something, 
Yeah. Like, if you had the opportunity to voice a cartoon, would you really be that concerned with the Content? integrity of yeah. the cartoon? Or would sure. you be like, oh, my God. That's fair. They're paying me this to yeah, do that? That's fair. I love this. Yeah, I like my life. That's true. Yeah. That's really cool. That's a good way of putting it. Except for that, you like to think that these, like, uh, these gold star A-level performers don't right. need to be in a position where they have to take schlocky stuff. Right. That's true, but I mean, you know, it's it. There's so many actors out there, yep. and and there's so much stuff going on, and and what they're able to get, especially you know, there's a whole stigma about actors, actresses over, or sorry, female actors <laughs> over fifty, not being able to get work and stuff. So right. she maybe she was kind of backed into a corner and said. I think this will be fun. Let's just do it. The other thing is very possible that she just loves the Big Bang Theory. And she's like, I want to work with Chuck Lorre. Totally Lots possible. of people love that show. Billions of people love the Big <laughs> yeah. Bang Theory. Yeah. Uh, 12% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, which is to say not, oh, not fresh at wow. all. wow. Okay. Real rotten, man. Didn't uh, didn't know about that. Yeah. But I felt that would... Yeah. So Actually, you know what? I kind of thought it would be closer to like 70. Really? 12% is what I thought it would be at. But I don't speak for the public ever, and I would also give, you know, the Big Bang Theory, like, 30% fresh. The thing that's easy to forget about an aggregator like Rotten Tomatoes is that it's not a collective of critics getting together and deciding on a score. Right. It's a bunch of people individually saying yes or no. Right. And so... All it takes to get a really low score is for everyone to say no. Sure. And I'm probably more likely to write a bad review than a good review. Yeah, you I know? guess, unless it's your job to review everything. Right. Right? But if you're just a like an average Joe, what makes you want to write a review? I don't know if they even like really consider those. Oh, no? I, I think you have okay. to be accredited as a critic really? on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh. Like, I think you can contribute reviews, but it's another quotient. Gotcha. So uh, I definitely don't give my recommendation to Disjointed. I'm sorry. Nope. Sorry. No. Not, not for me. No. Not for Mary. Me neither. Going to move on to a show called White Gold, which Slaney's going to recap the first episode <laughs> Yeah. Of. Okay. Can, can you give me, can we like hit pause so I can just reread what? the plot? Really? And the names. I watched it on Monday. I have no idea what the names are. I know the plot. I the, just, plot, the main guy's name is Vince. Is okay. that not good enough? Main guy's name is Vince. Okay, no, I think I should be able to do that. All right. I guess maybe that's all I needed. You need Vince. Okay. All right? Perfect. Three, two, one, go. Okay, so the story centers around Vince, who lives in England. He is a uh, window salesman, and essentially it seems like the show is something that was kind of created to... <laughs> uh, can you start me over again? I oh. guess, man. I guess. You got to start from the beginning. You don't get to start there. Okay. Three, two, one, go. Okay. So the story is centered around Vince, who is a British window salesman. He kind of started his own thing. He's got two friends that he works with. Uh, one who's super honest and, and never really gets any sales. He does seem to get some sales and they seem to be making some decent money. The other who's, uh, you know, a complete slag and very rude and inappropriate and will like cut throats to get sales um he's having an affair uh, the family that's it you get no more family. you get no more <laughs> so he also worked for another window salesman first and got fired yeah uh 
he's also just a, a bit of he's he's a little bit like a Jordan Belfort character. In fact, I think the whole aesthetic of the show kind of gave me a bit of a a Wolf of Wall Street feel. I think because chronistically it's set in the same era. Right. He wears flashy suits and he breaks the fourth wall. Yep. And he really just will do whatever it takes to be successful. It's not mm. about the thing. It's about what he how he feels and who he gets to imagine himself as. Right. He's image-based. And he's kind of a happy medium between the other two characters. Yeah, that's fair. You know? He's crass. Yeah. But he's smart. Right. And he's he's got a, a slickness to him. Mm-hmm. I have to... I really want to dedicate this portion of the podcast to my dad, Papa Sweets, <laughs> otherwise known on Twitter as at John Windows with, <laughs> nice. with a Z. Because, no. my, because my dad... It works for a big window sales company. Yep. And so when he discovered that this show, White Gold, existed, he went over the moon. He was so excited that they made a show about his life. Because this show is exactly his life. Has he watched an episode? Yeah, he loved it. (laughs) This show is exactly his life. Well, he says he likes it. I asked him what he thought, and he's like, it's the best show I've ever seen. (laughs) But he was joking. Uh, I I found it kind of funny. Like I said, it almost seemed like the writer's room was challenged. Okay, I'm just going to tell you guys, you're going to need to make a show about window sales, make yeah. it funny. And and it's set in 1983, which is kind of neat too, um, where I guess there was a big movement from steel and wood windows to plastic windows. Yeah, it, it, it's, not even, it's not even so much about window sales. They're trying to hawk this new kind of windows called double glazing windows. Right. Which I guess is like a multi-tiered pane okay. through which they fill this like this gas yes. that moderates the temperature on both sides. Yeah. That's a thing that actually exists, I think, unless I'm a slave to advertising. <laughs> no, it absolutely is a thing, but yeah. it was like the revolution of Windows. And so that's right. that's what he's getting in under. Sure. It's even more specific than they just sell windows. They right. Have, they sell the new windows, which are the standard now. And and didn't you think at some point it was going to take a turn into them selling cocaine? Because I thought <laughs> maybe that was just the Wolf of Wall Street aesthetic. I, I thought white gold. Like okay, well, like so he starts as a window salesman, but then he's in the car with this guy doing coke. Yeah. And oh, where's this gonna go? No, it's all window sales. Well, we already have enough shows about people who turn. You're totally drug right, lords. You're totally right, and. And I thought it was like relatively funny. The, now, two of the 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 two friends are both from a show called The Inbetweeners, right? That was yeah. a BBC show. And so you were able to identify right away that it was probably the same creator. Is it the same creator? I didn't end up looking it up. I meant meant to do that. Did you watch? You didn't watch the show. Did you? I didn't watch The Inbetweeners. I, I ran out of time. It's I'll funny. Just look it up quickly. It's funny because the two friends are actually almost completely the same as they are on the in-betweeners the in-betweeners is all about a group of like horny awkward high school kids it is the same creator damon beasley it is okay yeah. cool and th- they basically play the exact same character you know the the short-haired guy is the really crass like thinks he can get a lot of women um but never can and like tries to brag all the time and talks about hooking up with the other guy's moms and right. stuff and never has a chance of with any female at all. Right. And the other guy is like kind of the honest guy who kind of does have a chance with girls, but is a bit of a dork. Mm. And then there's like an, the like main character is kind of the, 
he's not even really a happy medium. He's like the super nerdy one that they all kind of take under their wing. Yeah. But it's a really funny show, especially the TV show. They've, I didn't know it was a British show. It, yeah, BBC yeah. show. And they've made a couple movies since. I, I knew that. In fact, yeah. this show is a, a BBC show also. It premiered yeah. in May on the yeah. BBC and it was oh. scooped up by Netflix. Gotcha. I found it funny. I didn't know that the uh, main character, that Vince was was British in real life, the guy who was on, because uh, he was a re- Chuck. He was Chuck. He was on, on Chuck? No. <laughs> Sorry. He was Chuck in that show with Blake Lively. What oh, was Gossip Girl. Gossip Yeah, Girl. well, it's interesting because I've never watched Gossip Girl. Yeah. But I'm staring at this guy and I'm like, where the hell have I seen this guy before? Right. And I've never seen Gossip Girl, so I don't think that's where I've seen him before. And I scrolled through his IMDb. And I can't figure it out, but I refuse to believe that I don't know him from somewhere. Yeah. And it's so weird because him with an American accent, like he's got such a deep voice and him with an American accent sounds super brooding all the time. It's okay. always just kind of, I'm not sure that I want, you yeah. know, it, it, it seems so weird and it really always rubbed me the wrong way. But now knowing that he's British, like it sounds right in his British accent, like right. normal. Like, because it is, I guess. Yeah. There's very few actors who seem to be able to seamlessly make the transition right. between accents yeah. and actually maintain the integrity of their vocal timbre. Yeah. Dude who plays uh, the Legion. Oh, Dan Stevens. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's great at he's it. He's got an amazing American accent. Daniel Radcliffe has a really good American accent, too. I believe that. Yeah, really yep. good one. Uh, what else do we have? Interesting stuff. Hugh Laurie, too. Oh, yeah, Hugh Laurie's the best. It's easy to forget that he is British. Yeah. In fact, I've seen enough of him speaking American now that I'm like, whoa. Yeah. I know. In your in your deal, and you don't have to name any names. In fact, you shouldn't. But in your dealings with salespeople, mm-hmm. do you ever get the... Do you ever get the stink of the stereotypical salesperson who treats it as a game and they're like, they don't have what it takes and they really look at it like it's like... Like they're out there hustling. I mean, I think, you know, I've worked a number of jobs in sales. Yeah. And I think. Yeah, no, like selling sneakers at Sport Check or something. Right. You must have a guy like that on staff. I think there are all personality types in every type of job. And yep. you're going to get the type of people at whatever workplace that you're in that will kind of just do whatever it takes to get to the top. And, you know, hopefully those people are screened appropriately. Um, but sometimes they fall through the cracks and, right. and yeah, like, you know, especially at sport check when, you know, when I was selling sneakers, uh, I don't I just feel like there's so much that I'm saying that this could be, could just be, you haven't, you haven't incriminated yourself at all. I've just incriminated a, a company. No, it's not. No, like what I was going to add to it is that sometimes those people are a little bit difficult to work with, but they're often the best at their jobs. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And that's the case with this guy, Vince. Yeah, absolutely. Like, but you, he, was you he was he really hard to work with? You wouldn't like him if you knew him. You'd that's, be like, you'd be like, fuck this guy. That's probably true. I was trying to give people the benefit of the doubt, though. <laughs> I don't. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's different. From you me. immediately see through them and say, yeah. no. I yeah, I try to practice uh, practice some more empathy. Like, just the, put myself in their shoes. Another another thing I was reminded of, especially when he looked at the camera the first time and spoke, was Ferris Bueller. I was like, oh, this has got a Bullerian quality to it. It also kind of feels a little bit like office space. Yep. Uh, but specifically when he looked at the camera and started talking, uh, I was reminded of Ferris Bueller. And Ferris Bueller's not a good guy either. Like, that's that's a hero 
who if you were to know him, you'd hate that guy. Right. He really he, screwed Cameron over. He com- he's a terrible friend. Yeah. He's selfish. Mm-hmm. And he's a like a pathological liar. Yep. He shirks his responsibility. Mm-hmm. And he's not a very good guy. He yeah, lies what, to everybody. He's what is, phony. What is the moral of Ferris Bueller's day off? Well, it's really interesting if you watch Ferris Bueller through the lens of... Uh, Okay, so some people will try and tell you that Ferris Bueller is um, a figment of Cameron's imagination, mm-hmm. that he's who uh, Cameron wants to be. Right, like, sure. Like literally with the beautiful girl and like yep. stands up for himself and always knows the right thing to say and well, is he, willing to get on the parade floor. He says that. He's like, oh, I can't be Ferris Bueller who's, right. you know, always gets the girl and says the right thing. And so I think that's, that's what inspires that idea. I don't really get anything from that, but somebody said recently... On Reddit, that if you watch Ferris Bueller just simply through the ID through the lens that the film is not called Ferris Bueller's Day Off, yeah. it's called Cameron Fry Takes a Stand. <laughs> it becomes a different movie, and I watched it with that in mind, and yeah. it does become a different movie. Do you if think- you really think of him as the main character, it's a beautiful story about a guy who becomes a man, and grows up. up, and it's kind of nice because Ferris Bueller's like, yeah, great. He well, he knows that he. He knows that he can push Cameron around, but he loves Cameron, and right. so he he wants Cameron to stand up to him. Do you think that John Hughes is Cameron? Yeah, I think so. Because <laughs> he's definitely not Ferris Bueller, right? No, he I don't think so. Wasn't Ferris you Bueller. know, John Hughes died on my 18th birthday. Oh God, that must have been heartbreaking for yeah, you. I know. They're like the guy who was like, "This is what it's like to be." in your youth died yeah. as soon as i became a man did i ever tell you the story it's almost as symbolic as you know when i was in argentina and that was basically like when i got diabetes right and there so we were standing in this lobby like at this hostel in Iguazu falls and this really over the top girl was like oh my gosh and she was like trying to speak spanish and stuff and it was like and and this and that means that and, and then there was this big like like super colorful butterfly that like circled around my head and she was like oh my gosh that was for you that was your experience and you'll always like remember that and ah. i was kind of just like standing back being like uh, okay and then i watched this butterfly fly in a circle and go directly into a fan <laughs> and never said anything but just thought to myself Oh, that is not a good sign. This butterfly just commits suicide. <laughs> and then I came back and got like the worst news ever. And I always think back to that that specific. Uh, and I was talking to my friend Stefan, who I I didn't tell about it until right. like a year later. I was like, remember that whole like butterfly thing? I was like, well, the butterfly flew into a fan after that, <laughs> and he just lost it laughing. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing because you would only remember that if you immediately interpreted it that way. Yeah. You immediately well, like, symbolically saw it away in your head, and it stuck with you. Because the trip was just such a gong show. It was. That that happening was just so fitting. Yeah. Through the whole trip. As soon as the butterfly heard you associated with him, he's like, I can't handle this. It was like, what? <laughs> this guy has such a disease. I yeah. need to get out or of this like, life. Oh, they think this is good luck. I'll show them good luck. <laughs> uh, and he knew on some level. Yeah. I finished Ozark. Yeah. And you finally. weren't as impressed as I was with it. No, I think it was, I think it was really overhyped. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. I don't know. Really. I really can't put my finger on what I didn't like about it. Yeah. I found it extremely predictable. Like, yeah. like I knew everyone who was going to die. Yeah. I called them all, everyone who's going to die. Um, 
and in the end you don't haven't really gotten anywhere that's true you just kind of know that you're in even deeper water yeah i guess you know i guess <laughs> i haven't seen any any sign of that deeper water no no, no not really well it was kind of like said at the end of the second yeah segment. the thing about the boss yeah yeah i know but we don't know that guy so i know yeah. i know so it's but that was the same with breaking bad i guess so you know i guess so well one person's dead but his boss is still alive right it was also just like an egregiously violent show it was, it was very so, violent it was so graphically violent at times but it almost went from like uh didn't it kind of go from like a super dark first soprano-esque episode then kind of almost go into i'm trying to think of a show or a movie to relate it to probably a movie i, I don't want to say like goonies but you know it's kind of got that whole like the whole town's involved and there's yeah. some people it just that had like, like a dark eeriness yeah it was like a lot of talking and a lot of threatening yeah but there's but, also like some like wholesome country characters and right. some like you know, you're not quite sure about other people, but everyone's But seems... there was no violence for, like, the middle six episodes. Yeah. You're right. Right. And you didn't like any of those episodes? No, I, I kept watching. Yeah. Like, again, I didn't dislike it, but at the end, I wasn't like, oh, my God, I need more. Right. I was like, all right, I don't... I'm, I've had enough. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we flew through it pretty quick. I was a fan. I was definitely a fan of that show. I feel a little bit like I've been bogarting the show selections in the last few weeks, and I feel bad because it led us to disjointed this week. <laughs> That's terrible. But I would like at some point in the coming weeks to talk about The Deuce, which is the new... Yeah, is it out yet? Yeah, yeah, the first one is out. Oh. James Franco, Maggie well, let's, Gyllenhaal. Let's definitely watch it. That's That's a show that I really wanted to watch. Okay. I had no idea it was out yet. So we'll do that for next week and something Great. else. Okay. And that's all I have. HBO was just like, okay, there's going to be a hiatus between Game of Thrones, so let's come out with our next big hit. Let's put out the deuce. The deuce. About the porn industry. Yeah. And I feel like there was another HBO show or like maybe Showtime show that's going to hit soon. Anyway, I'll do I'll some look, I'll do some digging and look around. come yeah. up with a good show. But we'll definitely cover the deuce next week. Definitely, it's happening. Sweet. This week... There was a new song released by Will Smith and DJ Jazzy Jeff. No way. They put out new music together and they performed it somewhere. I forget what the, I think we call, it's like called like Let's Get Lit or something. I was going to say, what's the song called? It's called like, it, it's Let's Get Lit. I think it's like Let's Get Lit. It's trying too hard, whatever it is. Totally. It's trying to communicate with 18 to 20 year olds. Right. And, and no, when 16 you, to 20 year olds. Right. And when you have a person in their 40s or 50s who's trying to speak the language of people like his parents just don't understand. So like, why should Will Smith understand? Right. And try and speak the language of teenagers. I find that sketchy. And why? Why do you think kids would trust? Yeah, you know, like that's what I'm saying. I don't. I don't. I don't trust it. I'm not even a kid, and I don't trust it. So to all the kids out there, never trust Will Smith. He's a parent. He just doesn't understand. He's not to be trusted. He just don't understand. <laughs> he just don't understand. He just don't.